is she? Shanna, the Jungle Queen. Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and this is I'm the Gun's Shanna Showcase, a podcast devoted to Marvel Comics' Shanna the She-Devil. This time out, I'll be continuing the look at Shanna's handful of appearances in some of Marvel's black and white magazines from the mid-70s, including stories in Savage Tales number 10 from May 1975 and Rampaging Hulk number 9 from June 1978. Before I get into those, uh, just a bit of business from last time. One of the previous issues I reviewed, Savage Tales number 8, Shanna meets for the second time the man whom she'd eventually fall in love with and marry, Khazar, Lord of the Hidden Jungle. Now, anyone who's heard any previous episode of this Shanna Showcase knows that I'm not the biggest Khazar fan, but I was so impressed by a speech he gave in that issue of Savage Tales while fighting Grand, an alien warrior who emerged after a billion years from a giant metal dildo. Uh, I was so impressed with his speech about free will that I wanted to arrange for a table read of this speech. Turns out the only actors I had at my disposal were myself and my young son, but I decided to proceed with this anyway. We recorded our version of the exchange between Grand and Khazar, and my son was such a such a good sport and did a great job. I'm going to include it at the end of the episode, but after the final theme, just in case you're not interested in hearing me exploit my child. If you do stick around, please try to ignore the bits of Nazi theater dad coaching that I was unable to edit out, okay? Anyway, there's something so appropriate to me in having Khazar's dialogue read by a four-year-old. Now on to the issues at hand. In the back of Savage Tales number 10, behind a Khazar thriller and an illustrated text story, some sort of sword and sorcery stuff, there's a 10-page Shanna solo story. It's written by Carla Conway and illustrated by Ross Andrew and Vince Coletta, who are no strangers to Shanna as they illustrated all but one issue of her solo series from a couple years before. This story, called Blood Purge, picks up Shanna's quest to track down and kill Raga Shah, the high priest of the cult of Kali, the Hindu goddess of death. Raga Shah had recently been responsible for the deaths of Jakuna Singh, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., a close associate of Shanna's, and Ina and Biri, the leopards who Shanna helped raise and who had been her closest companions for years. Shanna has somehow tracked Raga Shah to the Himalayan mountains, closely avoiding a stampede of wild yaks or something. And she always seems to find herself at odds with big horned beasts. What's up with that? She comes across a battle between two warring factions. One side is about to lose as its leader, Prince Telma, is about to be beheaded by a brute named Shagor. Shanna, without asking any questions, leaps at Shagor and sticks a knife into his throat, killing him. Now, it turns out that she happened to have killed the bad guy, but diving into a fray like this is, is a bit hot-headed even for her. With their leader dead, Shagor's men disperse, and Prince Telma is a little too quick to claim victory. Shanna corrects him, saying that, you know, she may have had a little something to do with the outcome of this battle. Telma explains the situation. Seems like he's the rightful heir to the throne of Nel Ariso after the death of his father, the king. 
However, the throne has been claimed by Akuli, who has married Telma's mother, the queen, and is suspected of having killed the king before his time. Now, there's something a little familiar about this story. Something's definitely rotten in the Himalayas. Telma had been recalled from his studies abroad as Akuldi, in an act apparently endorsed by the Queen Mother, has been sacrificing children of the kingdom in order to appease the ghost of the deceased king. Prince Telma asked for Shanna's help in overthrowing Akuldi, but she declined, saying she's on her own mission. Telma counters with the fact that Raga Shah is currently a guest of his uncle, the tyrant king, and that's all Shanna needs to hear. She's in. Troubled by dreams of Raga Shah that night, Shanna sets out the next day accompanying the rebel group through what Telma calls a secret tunnel to the palace known only by the immediate family. Shanna brings up a good point. Wouldn't the queen, as a member of his immediate family, know about the tunnel? Oh yeah. Just then, they're attacked by the palace guards, and Shanna really cuts loose, taking out at least six of them on her own. She sticks a knife in one right under his eye patch and through his skull. This is definitely the most violent we've seen here, and the kind of story that Marvel could only tell in one of these black and white mags that didn't abide by the comics code. The numbers prove just too much, though, and one of the guards knocks Shanna out with the butt of his sword. Shanna and Telma are presented to the sitting king and queen, and King Akuldi tells them that Ragasha, he just left, he just missed him. But not before uh, he helped devise the method of Shanna's execution. She's to be strapped down below a giant swinging scythe, a pit and pendulum style. Akuli actually claims to be a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe. Prince Telma is also sentenced to death, and this does get a rise out of the queen, his mother, though, who thought he'd be spared. Shouldn't seem to make much of an effort, though, to change Akuli's mind, which is sad. As the pendulum is released and swings lower and lower, the deceased king's ghost appears out of nowhere and threatens Akuli. This interruption gives Shanna just the distraction she needs to wriggle into position, letting the pendulum cut through her bonds. Then all hell breaks loose. Soldiers start pouring in, but Shanna and Telma manage to hold them off. The pendulum takes out one of the, one of the unlucky soldiers. Oof. It dawns on Akuldi that the lever next to his throne will release a river of fire, molten lava, that'll wipe away the upstarts. And just as Akuldi pulls the lever, Shanna throws her sword up at the tyrant, which not only goes right through him, but the queen as well. And Shanna killed two jerks with one sword. With no one to pull the lever back, lava spills into the kingdom, destroying everything in its path. And Shanna and Telma guide the survivors into the mountains, where they'll have to find somewhere to build a new city. This doesn't deter Shanna from her mission to hunt down Raga Shah, so she takes her leave. This, for some reason, surprises Telma, who apparently thought they had a little something going on, which is absolutely ridiculous. This is a decent story. It draws out Shanna's search, and it's chock full of action. As I said, this is Shanna at her most violent the art was good. Andrew and Coletta obviously had some familiarity with the character, and their, their work did suit the magazine size format, though 
I could just as easily see it pass for a color comic, you know, if not for all the all the violence. I think Carla Conway did a good job. She's gotten a decent handle on the character over the course of the two stories she was involved in. It's a shame she didn't write any more Shanna. And she wasn't able to see the Raga Shah story to its conclusion. Yeah, I'm not sure why that is. Not sure why it took another three years to wrap up the story, and this was done in the back of Rampaging Hulk number nine. A Shanna story at the back of this magazine called The Wrath of Raga Shah follows behind, of course, the Hulk lead story. A nifty little Shanna checklist with which which lists all of her appearances to date, along with the creative teams. The only issue omitted from that checklist is uh, her appearance in Spidey Super Stories number 14, but that was strictly out of continuity, so I can... Well, I can see that. I'll give him a pass. After the checklist is a Shanna the She-Devil portfolio featuring full-page pencil sketches of Shanna by Tony DeZuniga. Very cheesecake, very provocative. He does add a short high-heeled boot to her costume, which seems a little incongruous and, dare I say, impractical for running around the jungle, but, you know, come on, the whole leopard skin outfit is a bit impractical, I guess. Accompanying these truly gorgeous, gorgeous illustrations is a little text history by David Anthony Kraft detailing Shanna's adventures up to this point. So after the portfolio, we get the story, The Wrath of Raga Shah, which is written by Steve Gerber, who he'd written more Shanna stories than anyone to this point, and the story was drawn by Dezuniga. The story opens in Shanna's new residence in Southern California. Her two-year-long search for Raga Shah had proved fruitless, so we see her performing the very strangely domestic task of drying some dishes, though she's drying dishes in the new boots designed by Dezuniga the shortest shorts possible, and a see-through blouse. She thinks to herself about the path her life has taken. She's taking some refresher veterinary courses at UCLA, and is seeing a shrink, which is probably a good idea, as she's dealt with so much loss in her life. She suffers from anxiety attacks, but those she deals with in a different way. She strips to her fighting togs, and enters a special room in her home, a kind of zoological exhibit space for her pet giant python. She pulls a knife on her pet and commands it to attack, which it does, and begins squeezing the life out of her. But only to a point, the snake has somehow been trained to give its master the thrill of danger and combat that had been such a big part of her life. This crazy ritual which kind of reminds me of the Inspector Clouseau-Cato relationship from the Pink Panther films. Obviously, it fills some hole for Shanna. Her little tussle with the snake makes her late to pick up a friend. They had a date to do some shopping at a new mall, the Taj Mahal Mall. There, she literally bumps into a man, the mall's owner, who he looks remarkably like Raga Shah. Shanna jumps the guy and starts beating the crap out of him and needs to be pulled off by mall security. The man, named Mr. Shah, doesn't want to press charges, so Shanna's let go. She reports this incident to her shrink the next day, and 
Her psychologist implies that her recognition of Raga Shah may have been may have been delusional. Shanna takes offense to this and leaves her appointment early, but when she calls for the elevator, the car arrives and full of it's full of turban wearing thugs. They attack her, but she manages to take the fight outside. She takes on quite a few, but one of the attackers gets a poison dipped knife into her shoulder, which causes Shanna to pass out. She awakens, prone, chained, and at the mercy of a knife-wielding Raga Shah. It was he who bumped into Shanna at the mall. He has wanted his own revenge on Shanna for destroying his temple to Kali. This was back in Savage Tales number 9. Sorry, Asterix, back in Savage Tales number 9. He rants about his hopes that with the goddess's blessing and with the income from his commercial venture, the mall... He still hopes to achieve the destruction of the world, so the Taj Mahal Mall will end up blowing up the world. I had to laugh at that little bit. Just as Raja Shah is about to deliver the sacrificial blow, Shanna somehow manages to break her bonds. You know, these are shackles and chains. Not sure how she's doing this, the adrenaline just must be pumping group of thugs attacks, but Shanna fights back with such ferocity, such intensity, that most of them run away, leaving only Shanna and Ragasha. The priest, now wielding a sword, desperately offers a typically villainous claim. You know, the old, I know you won't kill me, though I guess he hasn't read the last couple of appearances where she's taken quite a few lives, actually. Shanna says no, she's leaving that job to another. Raga Shah attacks with the sword, and Shanna, now a total boss and completely beyond pain, grabs the blade and yanks the sword out of Raga Shah's hand. She drops the sword like a mic and laughs as she shows the bloody wound on her palm. And now helpless Raga Shah gets a boot to the face, knocking him out. In a chilling little epilogue, we see Shanna speaking to her python, Ananta, who has got a huge bulge in its belly. She says she finds it sad that the snake will only eat what it itself has killed, but tells the snake that it, it may be time for both of them to return to the jungle once Ananta has digested the high priest. So a nice wrap-up to really what I'd call the first volume of Shanna's appearances. The whole mall angle, you know, Raga Shah using the mall to fund his world destruction. That was a little weak and laughable, but... But with his death, Shanna does get the closure she so desperately needed, pretty much since her first appearance. The story kind of helps clear the decks for the next phase of her life. Shanna wouldn't appear for another three years. And most of her appearances to come will feature... They'll feature a whole lot of Khazar. There are still a couple of solo adventures ahead for Shanna in titles like Marvel Comics Presents and Marvel Fanfare, and those will provide the content for the with a few remaining Shanna showcases. Well, I think that will do it for this episode. If you want to stick around for a performance of Khazar's Freedom Speech from Savage Tales number 8, please do so. It'll come up after the theme song. Anything you want to add? Re-Shanna, Tony Dezuniga, or Marvel's Black and White Mags? Let me know by leaving a comment on the blog, imthegun.blogspot.com. That's where this podcast lives, along with Reboot Review, a sub-series devoted to Legion of Superheroes, and 
We get the occasional musings about other comics topics, mostly DC in nature there. I feel like I've been neglecting the blog aspect of I'm the Gun while I've been focused on the Shanna and Legion podcast, so I think for the time being I'm going to cut recordings back to bi-weekly with the intention of continuing to alternate between Shanna Showcase and Reboot Review. A bi-weekly recording schedule will give me time to fit in a few strictly blog-type posts. I, I miss writing about some of DC's war stuff, and there's a Halloween post I'd like to write, though that may end up actually being a podcast episode. Traditionally, if this were a comics letters page and I was talking about cutting back to bi-weekly or bi-monthly in the case of a comics release schedule, I would promise that I'm the Gun is in no danger of being cancelled, and but then I'd suggest you tell your friends about it and also suggest you download each episode twice. <laughs> but that's not happening here. Anyway, where was I? Um, leave a comment on the blog. Hit me up on Twitter, at Mark Sweeney Jr. There's a link on the blog to Twitter. There's also a link to Tumblr. Or email me at imthegun, I-M-T-H-E-G-U-N, at gmail.com. Previous episodes of I'm the Gun can be found on iTunes, so search there for I'm the Gun, Shanna Showcase, or Reboot Review. I'll be back with another Shanna Showcase in a few weeks, so until then, see you on the Savannah. Because he is free. Kazar must die. Free. He will die free. So no man master. Oh, without a master, without a war, life has no meaning. Why else would we sleep a billion years? What purpose can we have? If not to fight for our creators. Kazar has no master. Is free. Kazar is a child. I have no time to play. Kazar is a child and he is proud. Kazar has no enemies and needs none. Only a madman seeks violence more and a sleeper. The billion years, start a war, a new, that is madness, indeed.